Hello and welcome to It's More Than Money. It's More Than Money has a focus to bring you inspiring stories from real people who strive to improve every day. People who aren't willing to settle for the status quo, they've shaken off any limiting beliefs they might have had and they've just gone after what they really want in life. We'll have all kinds of guests, we'll have business owners, entrepreneurs, masters of the mind, industry game changers and money experts who will all, through their own stories, provide invaluable insights into creating a life you never thought possible. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to It's More Than Money podcast. Now today, our guest, uh, we could probably almost refer to him as a bit of a superstar in the sporting race. He might argue differently, but let's run with that. We have Andrew Jobling. Andrew, uh, in his own words, to me is an attention-seeking mama's boy middle child who realized early in his life that uh, anything is possible when you have some magic ingredients, which are a clear vision, apply the right thinking and take the right actions for long enough. So Andrew, moving on from the attention seeking mama's boy type title, you've done a lot in the last 30 odd years in education, speaking, business development, leadership, um, training elite athletes, and it's all about well-being. You believe in the uh, joyful longevity of people. You've got over 200,000 books sold with your latest being uh, The Wellness Puzzle, uh, a great read and obviously great reads in all your other books as well with over 200,000 copies sold, a lot of coaching, a lot of help, mate. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk to you. How are you? G'day, Kai. How are you, mate? Good, good. I thought that was a pretty good intro. Uh, look, mate, I have, <laughs> I have graduated a little bit from um, attention-seeking mama's boy, middle child. <laughs> Only well, just though, only just, and I and I'm not sure about the superstar status in terms of professional sport. <laughs> I don't. I was a household name in one house that I know of. <laughs> Mine. Well, that's all that matters, and we'll probably touch on something very similar as we talk anyway. But I can relate, mate. I was the middle child. I have, I think, passed the buck to say that the idle older brother is mum's favourite, and the younger brother is dad's favourite. So that's what I'm running with. Yeah, well, so I'm running with, well, I run with the fact that my older brother was really, really smart. Oh, and, and I remember at primary school, I his, the teachers that taught him and then were teaching me would always say, why can't you be more like your brother? Like, I said, I, oh. I wanted to smash the teachers and my brother. And then my young <laughs> sister came along and she was so ridiculously cute that everyone, you know, oh, look at her, isn't she cute? And I'm oh. going, hey, what about me, 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 me? So, yeah. Ah, that's my um, that's my burden to carry well let's run with that then actually do you think that's actually that's been fuel for you to get you where you are today and what i mean by that is and and there's all different ways we can measure success and i don't want this to be about if someone's only reaching uh, a fairly big status in the public eye that's not what it's about it's about you discovering your way of helping others and finding i guess that joyful part in your life do you think that's been the fuel well, I don't know if it's the fuel, but it certainly was the catalyst. Um, okay. I, I certainly don't I don't endorse spending your life doing things for attention because then I think you and you know I've spent a lot of my life chasing valid external validation, and I don't I don't think that's a way to live your life. Mm. It's not a happy, healthy way to live your life. However, I will say this: it absolutely drove me to want to be a professional footballer, and for all the wrong reasons. I mean, you know, people want to be a professional footballer because, you know, they love the sport and they're passionate about it. You know, they want to inspire other people. They want to inspire a younger gen. I didn't want that. I wanted attention, you know, and I thought, well, how am I going to get attention? Because, you know, I've got this 
older brother and younger <laughs> sister getting a pension at home. And I, I tried everything, you know, tantrums and running away and and uh, all sorts of oh, sookie la la sort of mama's boy stuff. Um, was it ever the words in your head like, "What the hell have I got to do to be noticed?" But it was yeah. Just... Well, do you know what? I went down the path, and and this is embarrassing, and I can't believe I'm admitting this, but <laughs> but I, I asked my mum if she would buy me my mum dad if they would buy me an iron and a mini ironing board. So when my mum ironed the clothes, I would stand next to her with my little ironing board and iron. Oh. And, and every three seconds, I'd be looking up at her going, hey, mum, check me out. You know, they were the, you know this is how yeah. the, the lows that I that I allowed myself to, <laughs> to spiral into. I did um, see that picture. I thought you were just actually a, a well house-trained young man. That no, was all awesome. about me, mate. Me, me, me. <laughs> me, 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 me. And honestly, at a young age, that was the thing that drove me to want to play sport. I thought, well, if I made it at the highest level, uh, then I would have attention. I, I would be validated. I would be admired. The fact that I was skinny, sooky, sickly, without a lot of natural ability didn't seem to dissuade me. Mm. And I think the lesson there is when you get really focused on something that you want and you get emotionally attached to it, you know, when you go, I'm going to do that and nothing's going to stop me, then, you know, the rest doesn't really matter. You know, talent, see a lot of incredibly talented people never make it at the highest level. You see a lot of um, very intelligent people end up in dead-end jobs. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for focus, uh, belief, naivety, and hard work and just creating good habits. That is a really, really important differentiator, which is, one may have a goal, may have an ambition, but what's fueling that ambition or what you touched on before, what the catalyst is versus do they actually have a, I would refer to it as a healthy emotional attachment to that desire. An unhealthy emotional attachment to the desire would be to prove a point or to like you're, you've kind of alluded to about seeking validation or seeking I guess justification that if I do this, I am enough. But it seems like you got into a bit of a cycle that it was just never enough. No matter what no. you did, it never felt like enough. No. Well, I played seven years of professional sport and I never felt good enough, uh, even though I, you know, I made at the highest level for several years. Never because I didn't address the issue. The issue was lack of self belief, lack of self esteem. Not sure where really, really where it came from because mm. you know, brought up in a healthy, happy, loving family, but. I never really addressed it. And and then after playing sport, professional footy, I got into health and fitness. I became a personal trainer. And then my, my obsession with my body and, you know, if I had this ripped rock-hard body, buns of steel and, and <laughs> pack, then I'd be the object of desire and, and mm. admiration. And, you know, and it's interesting because I did get a lot of that, you know, playing professional sport. You do yeah. get you do get some recognition being a, having a, a, a lean, fit, healthy body. You get admired. Yeah. You do, but it never, ever fixed anything. It never made me feel better about myself. It just made me confused and thinking, well, what do I need to do now? And then, and then even writing my first book, a big part of the motivation to write my first book was fame, to be known, to be admired, to be recognised, mm. to be validated. Have you ever been able to put your finger on where that went missing and and we've spoken off air and we spoke last week a couple of different things but i want to point out really importantly that a lot of this stuff does come from what we're uh, brought up with now it's not about crucifying our parents and they did this and they did that but it's more it's way more about and it is actually about just reflecting going okay what point in time 
did I make an agreement with myself that for whatever reasons it was, that I, I'm not that worthy or, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not that important or I don't feel that respected. Have you been able to put your finger on it? Oh, look, I, I can I can guess, you know. I yeah. Mean, I, can't, I can't make any proof. There's no proof. All I can suggest is, I mean, when we're young, when we're in those first four years of our life, we are, you know, who are the people that have the most influence on us, obviously. Mm. Now, my, my parents love me unconditionally, both of them. You know, yeah. um, and and I have no doubt, or have never had any doubt about that. However, my dad was was working a lot, so wasn't around much. I know. I mean, how do you? How does a young kid interpret that? I don't know. Maybe, mm, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Uh, my mum had her own insecurities, and I wrote a book about her called "Dance Until It Rains," and she passed away about seventeen years ago now. And you know, she had a lot of. She lacked a lot of self-belief because of her journey mm. being born in an Eastern European country, coming to Australia at the age of four. She didn't feel unconditionally loved by her parents. She had a lot of issues. Now, yeah, maybe I just watched her and I just picked up that. Mm. I just inherited that lack of self-love from her. Yeah. I mean, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, I, mean, <laughs> who know, I mean, who knows? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you, we live in a world where it's, it's never good enough and always mm. be careful and don't take chances and don't take risks and you can't do that and be realistic and blah, 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 and all this rubbish. Um, and from a young age, if you're exposed to people, you're going to adopt attitudes and beliefs from those people. You know, I mean, we are a product of our environment. There's no doubt about it. So mm. 100%. I can't put a finger on it. All I know is this little kid just... If he wasn't getting attention, he would take his pillow <laughs> and his banana and he would run away vowing never to return. And I came back about 15 minutes later because it was cold and I was hungry. Mm. I missed my mum. You realised it was okay at home? <laughs> After came all. home expecting all this fuss where to go and, they, and my mum didn't even know it's gone. So, you know. Yeah. Like, but look, you know, this is life and I think every single person on the planet struggles with self-belief or, or self-esteem or self-love. We mm. all do to an extent and we are our own harshest critics. You know, if oh, we spoke yeah, it's to brutal. Friends, like we spoke to ourselves, we'd be incredibly lonely people. We, I don't know why we feel we have the right to talk to ourselves so badly and, and every time I say to myself I'm an idiot or I'm not good enough, it's an affirmation that I start to believe, right? And so this stuff, just starts innocently but can develop very quickly yeah. into a fully blown belief that will take us down a very dangerous path. And look, I think I wasn't on a dangerous path. I, I was never addicted. Um, I didn't have a drink problem. Mm. I probably drank too much alcohol um, in my late teens and 20s, you know, because I think, again, alcohol was a way to give me it was confidence in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, that Dutch um, courage. A bit of Dutch courage. You know, I think we all, we all struggle with it. I hope that by talking to you, mate, people will recognise that and go, right, I, I don't want to live this way anymore. And, and I knew for me, I didn't want to live this way. I didn't want mm. to live chasing, chasing validation from other things because I recognise that I could chase and chase and chase and chase and chase and search and I'll never, ever, ever find it because it's inside me, the strength, the courage, the belief, the confidence, the capacity, the potential is already in me. You know, I'm already good yeah. enough. When, when did that happen for you? You um, sort of rough idea. It might have been over a period of time. Yeah, it was. A, it's look. It definitely over a period of time. I think I'll tell you where things really changed. Where I started because I used to think purpose or meaning in life was about accomplishment. 
you know, if mm. I, the more I accomplished, the more successful I would be, you know, and that's why professional sport was an accomplishment and, you know, having a body was an accomplishment and, you know, being an author was an achievement and I thought those things would make me happy. Where things really started to change was about six months after I published my first book, which is called Eat Chocolate, Drink Alcohol and Be Lean and Healthy. And about six months after that, I got an email from someone that I didn't know from mm. the other side of the country. Someone lived in Perth and I live in Melbourne. And I get the same up from this guy saying, I've read your book, it's changed my life, I've lost 25 kilos. You know, I am healthy. You know, everything you've said has made a difference in my life. My family's now adopted it and I, and I share it with everyone I know. And it was at that moment, I recognised the fact that I've got power. I've got, I've got something to offer the world. I'm good enough. Me, you know, my mm, message and, yes. and the way I communicate my message. And, and that was the start for me of really changing my approach to make it less about me and more about helping and inspiring other people. And then I mm. think more that you, the, the bigger impact you have on people's lives, the more that builds your own belief in self-esteem and fills that yeah. void, you know. And, and I started, you know, just over the last this is, you know, my first book was published in 2004. So that's a journey. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I've started, you know, I started to believe in myself and, you know, and look, it's ta- it's taken a long time. It's probably only the last few years where it's really, and maybe even the last, even over COVID where I was, you know, my third marriage came to an end and and I was forced into lockdown in Melbourne. And mm. when 2020 we were isolated for probably at least six months of the year Mm, yeah um and i was forced into this state of dealing with the dude looking back at me in the mirror for the first time probably ever and i started asking questions and i started thinking and i started reflecting and i started um because there were no distractions no i wish there were literally there were distractions i it was painful but but at the end of it after the end of the tears and the laughter and the and the reflection and the thoughts and the conversations and the and the dummy spits, you know, I recognised something about this person that I was looking at, and he's a good dude. And um, mm. and no matter with all his flaws and with all his imperfections, you know, he's he's a good person. He's got the capacity to love and to give and to help and to inspire, and, and he's good enough just the way he is. And so, I mean, that's been an evolution and yeah. um i tell you life is incredibly different when you can love yourself because and it's a daily practice it has to be a daily practice well, it's a daily practice yeah you know i think when you create good habits daily practices and you focus on the day on you know I'm, i used to live in the future when it will be better when this will happen and that's that's where anxiety lives in the future yeah. And then you focus on the past and all the all the stuff ups and all the poor mistakes and poor choices and, and that's where just depression is living and mm. yeah, the only place I've got control over is today. And so I just started to make a decision I'm gonna focus on what I do today because that's all I've got control over. And interestingly, when you focus on the day, on the moment, on what I can do today, and you do that every day, all of a sudden your future starts appearing far brighter and and you start predictably achieving things um, that you wanted, but, Mm. you know, before that you were focused on, I'll never get there, I'll never get there because it seems so far off. Mm. But when you just do it one day at a time and you keep going, you'll always arrive. 
Yeah, and I think it's really, in listening to you, it's really important to point out that what could be seen as the pinnacle of success in Australia, for example, you reached the top grade in the football, the AFL, and you've reached you know, the pinnacle of success in various areas, whether it be coaching and business, and you were doing what I guess is the, the standard ingredients for success. You know, and you've worked seven days a week and you're 100 hours a week with two businesses. You're doing what would seem to be the work. However, you were still unfulfilled. So importantly, I think it, you know, we point out to people that it's not necessarily the work which is going to be the focus on what's outside of us to give us gratification and fulfillment. It's making sure we're doing that daily practice of looking within. And as you've touched on, perhaps even just looking in the mirror, and which is a way of looking within and going, you know what, doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. It doesn't matter what I did yesterday. I'm enough just as the way I am. And everything I'm doing is enough just as it stands today. Because we're in this, and I think COVID, it's a, it's a weird way to look at, I suppose, but COVID forced people like you've experienced to really stop pause and reflect and I think if anything we've got an appreciation for what's in some regard what's already around us rather than constantly looking outside of us like even for us for example we used to love traveling overseas I really do believe because of COVID it's like "Mm, I don't really have a a motivation to go overseas anymore it's not because I know we're in lockdown hey the answer is not overseas no I think people go traveling to find themselves yes like how crazy is that no I'm here. I don't need to go. <laughs> to I'm here I am. I'm right here. Exactly. Hello, me. We, we do all these things to find ourselves and to find the answers when the answers are here. They're already within. And I think, look, I think a big thing is, you know, I'm a very true believer that every single person is here for a purpose. Yeah. And, and that there's no mistakes. I mean, I, I truly believe none of us are accidents because, you know, the odds of, me being alive, you being alive, any person being alive are so ridiculously small that you could never even calculate the odds. Your head mm. would explode if you tried. Yeah. Um, therefore, I don't see that there's an accident here. I believe that I'm here for an absolute purpose. I believe everyone's here for an absolute purpose. And, and the goal is not to force it. The goal is to find it. Yeah. And I think if you just allow, you know, things are going to happen in your life and look at everything that happens as a it's just part of your journey to lead you to where you're meant to be i mean so really the decision to write a book was the catalyst for my life to change mm. beyond belief i mean but how did that come about like well and this is i guess the story of that is it's an accident i'm an accidental author i mean that's my fifth book's called accidental author <laughs> i mean it was never a plan i was never going to write a book i didn't read but I, isn't that just a isn't that the the most truest indication of how well, I believe anyway, this is had the truest indication of how life is supposed to work. As Absolutely. soon as you effectively let go, you didn't try for it, you didn't push it, you didn't go after it, it just kind of happened. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, it's so, no, well, I'm never meant to be, like I'm the least qualified person you'll ever find to become an author. Like <laughs> I struggled in English at school. I didn't read. I didn't write. I had no background qualifications experience. At the time I decided to write my book, I was working over 100 hours a week in two businesses, right? Let's go back to that. 100 right. hours a week, so, and you thought, okay, we all made a box. Well. <laughs> you might need to go get a box of tissues here and, uh, <laughs> and, a, and a bottle of scotch. Like, I wanted to play football. That was my dream from a very young age. So, I did not value education at all. Mm, like, yeah. school was to me just, and, you know, classes were an inconvenient interruption to the opportunity to kick the footy at lunchtime and recess, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to an old, I, I went to a school when a, 
only a few years before it was an all-girls school. So you can imagine the boy-to-girl ratio was was very favourable for men, for boys. <laughs> you know, it was one to four, one to five. So, you know, I would get a girlfriend every week, but I couldn't keep a girlfriend because, you know, the protocol was very clear. At recess and lunchtime, you meet the, your girlfriend at the pines behind the tennis courts and you do a bit of tonsil hockey for from um and and i kept getting distracted playing footy and and <laughs> by the end of the day i'd get the, the friend of my girlfriend come and saying you're dropped oh yeah. you know, megan says you're dropped oh yeah okay whatever um i just wanted to play footy and i you know teachers would berate me all the time jobbling you know what are you gonna do with your life i'm gonna be a footballer and so i did not didn't value education i mean i got through because i you know i've got i i, I just had a pride in my performance so i got through i got to year 12 well i got to probably about year 10 or 11 when my mum and dad said to me so andrew what do you want to do when you grow up you know that crazy question that mm. we ask teenagers to decide at 16 years old what they want to do when they grow up mm. wrong question by the way we'll get back to that so mm. i said i'm going to be a footballer and they looked at me and smiled and pat, pat me on the head and said yeah that's nice andrew what are you, you know what are you going to do though i'm going to be a footballer and, and I said, okay, so you're going to be a footballer, but what's your backup plan? And, and I'm sitting there going, hmm, hmm, don't care, really, I thought, as long as it's got something to do with sport. So I looked through the options, and I chose physical education as yeah. a degree. Okay, I got phys ed. That sounds like sport. I'll do that. So I finished year 12. I got into phys ed, loved the first two years, you know, girls and sport and, and you know, all sorts of sports. So it was the best. <laughs> Then we get to third year of this four-year degree and we get told at the start of the year we've got to organise teaching rounds. And I'm sitting there with this dumb look on my face going, well, what do you mean teaching rounds? Why? And, and so at the end of the, the, that lesson or that lecture, I go down to the, the professor or the lecturer and I said, so you mentioned this thing about teaching rounds. Why do we need to do that? And I get, honestly, this guy looks at me like, are you okay, mate? You're in a, this is a four-year Bachelor of Education. This is a teaching degree. And I thought, huh. So it wasn't third, I was third year when I realised I was going to be a teacher. Right? I mean, that's how little attention or care I had. I was just doing, you know, I've got to do what I've got to do. So I end up finishing the four-year course and I, and I thought, well, I've got a teaching degree now, I might as well teach. And I taught for long enough to realise I love teaching people and helping them. And, and I got out of the... Um, in, I got out of there before I strangled a teenager because I thought, well, I don't want to teach people that don't want to listen. So I lasted about three or four years. That's when I got into the fitness industry. And it's interesting. So all this stuff is directing my path, right? Like seemingly accidents or poor choices or whatever. So this got me, you know, when I thought I can't teach what I want to do, I'll get into fitness, which is a, a good choice. Mm. The fitness industry, that ended up getting me into personal training, which which I loved personal training for a lot of it. Um, but after 15 years of getting up at five in the morning and working till nine o'clock at night and, and your income, I mean, you talk about money, mate. Well, I had zero financial intelligence <laughs> at all. I was, I was living hand to mouth and every dollar I earned was dependent on me getting up and training people. And if I didn't work, I didn't earn. And if they didn't show up, I didn't earn. And, you know, and I did that for, for this period of time until I thought, oh, there's got to be more. And I got really inspired about nutrition. So, mm. so I made this really sensible. You're probably getting from me. I'm quite a spontaneous person that certainly doesn't overthink things. Mm. I made a decision. I'm going to buy a cafe. So I'm, <laughs> I'm working 80 hours a week as a personal trainer in my own part owner's business. I think I'm going to buy a cafe. So I buy a cafe. Cool. That's what you do. Because my idea was, well, if I can provide really good food and I can educate people, that'll be awesome. Well, 
So for the next two years, I ended up working seven days a week in two businesses, working over 100 hours, and the cafe ends up in close to $100,000 debt. This is a long introduction. But so I'm sitting there one day, head in my hands, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm broken, I'm broke, beyond broke, and head in my hands, sitting in front of the computer screen, looking at the bank balance, just hoping money will appear from somewhere. <laughs> Didn't and I just, this is what I did. I asked myself a question. I, well, first of all, I said, this is not how I want to live. And then I asked myself, so how do I really want to live? Different question to the one we asked teenagers is what do you want to do? I asked myself a question, how do I want to live? And at that moment, I visualized, I thought I want, I want money. I want time. I want to be healthy. I want to make a difference in people's lives. I want, I want to live a life that I love, right? That, that was a thought that I put out. Within a few minutes, an idea comes to me, a totally illogical idea, write a book. That, that was the first time I'd ever thought about writing a book at that moment. I thought, what do you mean write a book? I can't write a book. I can't spell my name. You know, how am I going to write a book? But what I, again, the thought was, well, Okay, why would I write a book? That was my question. Why would I write a book? And 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 all these, you know, this stuff's happening. All this, you go, wow, where's all this stuff coming from? You write a book, you're going to have an impact on people's lives you don't know. You write mm. a book, you're going to create another source of income. You write a book, it's going to put you on stages. It's going to help you get more speaking gigs. You write a book, and over a period of time, you can retire from personal training and you can live that life you want of time, of money, of, of significance, of joy. I thought, great, that's enough for me. I'll do it. And from that moment, I got started. That's it. Not having any idea what I was doing, how to do it, but I thought, well, I'm just going to write a book. So did you literally just, I'll just write? You weren't trying to stick to a certain format? No, I, or planned, you... I planned it. I did yeah. a bit of preparation. I planned the book. I mapped it out. I knew what I wanted to say. I, yeah. And I, so I mapped it out, created a chapter outline, and I just got into a very simple daily routine because I couldn't spend hours. I didn't have hours. I had pockets of time every day. And yeah. And so I just started writing and amazingly, I just stayed focused on the vision. I stayed focused on the feeling of the achievement and, and how it would impact lives and impact my life. And I was excited every day. I got closer. I got excited about it. And yeah. uh, every day I took action, the, the path became clearer. You know, I, I gained more confidence in myself and my ability. And, and I went from this impossible, you know, aspiration It moved from impossible to possible. And each day it moved from possible to probable and, and before long, I knew I was going to write a best-selling book. And before, and within two years, it was published. And two years after that, I was retired from personal training. And now I'm about to get my book published. And here I am today. And everything that I visualized that day is effectively how I live my life today. So it's literally a bit like a, a light bulb moment. It's like I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Can't Absolutely. do this anymore. And and people will say to me when I talk about cafe losing a hundred grand, they go, Oh, you poor thing. And I say, No way. If I wasn't there, if I wasn't there head in hands asking that question, how do I want to live? I would not have made a decision to write a book. Right. So people say, Yeah, bad you lost a hundred thousand. I say, Well, that was a very small investment. Because let me tell you, the amount of joy, the amount of significance, the amount of money, the amount of options and, and things that have come as a result of that decision makes that 100000 bucks a very, very small investment into mm. amazing life. So yes. I, yes. this is what I'm saying, you know, like if you look at that, so none of that made sense. There's None of it made sense. 
you know, you, if I was back at that point where I was playing footy and, and deciding what to do with my life and someone said, you're going to be an author of eight book, uh, uh, you know, multiple books and I would go, you're crazy. That makes no sense. However, now sitting here looking back, it makes 100% sense. And there's a wonderful there's a wonderful definition of faith and I'm a very true believer in, you know, having, having a faith that things will work out. And yeah. this definition of faith was it, it says that, Faith is trusting in advance that which only makes sense in reverse, right? Yeah. In other words, I can be an author, but it's not going to make sense until I get there. You know, yeah. in other words, just get started. You've already got to lose. Just get started on the journey and the path will open itself up. You'll find out how to do it. Then you'll get there and you'll be successful. And you look back, oh, yeah, that all made sense. 100% my story. And that's more, is that part of that why not philosophy? Yeah. That you've adopted and, and seemingly would teach others, and it, it, it looks like you, you, your desire to empower others as opportunities come up to ask, well, why not? Go well, on and make well, it happen. Exactly. Well, I mean, I hear it all the time. I mean, I mentor authors now. You know, I talk to people about health and well-being. I talk to people about living this life of joyful longevity. And you know, for a lot of people, you, they go, "Yeah, but yeah, I'd like to do that." Mm. But, but I'm They're more stuck on the but, aren't they, than the. They're too focused the on their butt, mate. That's the problem. <laughs> but that they, yeah, they look all of these things. Why, why they can't do it? Why it's too hard? Why they're too busy? Why they're not qualified? Why they're not smart enough, strong enough, talented enough? And so here's this is my my answer to that is this: when someone says, "Well, I'm not sure if I can do it," I'll say to them, "Give me proof that you can't. Yeah. Show me evidence." If if we went to a court of law and we put you on the stand. How could you show me, give me categorical evidence that you cannot become an author, become an athlete, um, climb a mountain, sing a song, learn an instrument, mm. become a become wealthy? Show me proof. And they, they'll come up with, you know, stuff that you could never prove in a court of law. And then so my theory is then, well, if you can't prove that you can't do it, therefore there must be a chance that you can do it. So why not get started? That's been my, I, I yeah. never believed I could be a professional footballer. I just didn't know I couldn't. I didn't believe I could be an author. I just didn't know that I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And that's really been, that's fueled most of the things I've achieved in my life. Not talent, not ability, not intellect, not qualifications. And I hope this gives people hope because I'm clueless. Honestly, I'm just as clueless as most. <laughs> Mm. But I just have this naivety about me that, well, if I just get started and I take action, the right people will appear, the right plan will appear, the right doors will open, the right, the right you, will open. Uh, have you blindly just moved into things and gone under that why not philosophy or has it always felt like, no, nah, this, I think I'd like to try this and that's more the why not. So you've gone, okay, this appeals to me. Why not give it a go? Well, look, playing football, I didn't play football necessarily because I, I wanted to be a footballer. I did it because I wanted an outcome. I wanted to be validated. Yeah, yeah. Well right? So being a footballer was not, I must be a footballer. Yeah. Writing a book, I didn't write a book to be an author. No. Right? I didn't go, I must be an author. And I say this to people, it's not about the book. I wrote, no. I write books to impact lives, to open doors, to, to um, help people to diversify my income, to give me purpose and passion. I write books for a lot of reasons, mm. not because I want to be an author. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I built my body not because I thought I want to have a great physique. I thought, again, I want attention. You know, so you've got to move beyond beyond the actual achievement and go, well, what does that mean for me? And that's yeah. where you ask, that's the key question that I would encourage people to ask themselves is not what do I want to do or not um, what do I want to achieve, but how do I want to live? And then you make choices based on that. You then make choices that will lead you to that. And they yeah. may not be choices that you like or you would have chosen like I would never have chosen to write a book. Mm. It was the, for me, it was the key that unlocked the door to live the life I wanted. Now I've made other choices as well, business choices to do, to, to do businesses that, you know, um, that I didn't think I could or wanted to do, but, but it was for a financial result. It was to give me the time mm. and money to allow me to do what I love. So I think when you can stop asking yourself, what do I want to do and do follow that path, start asking yourself, how do I want to live? Get clear on the result you're after and then find something that will move you towards that, whether you love it or not. So probably delving into a little bit of an area that uh, might be more my side of things, but from a financial perspective, now this philosophy of why not, one of the biggest challenges for people, and we see this every day, every single day talking to people, is that they find so much security and understandably so much security in the current job or the current business, it's providing a certain level of income. It's, you know, there's money then to pay the mortgages, feed the children, send to private school, whatever it might be. Almost where they're in this place of going, oh, I'd love to be doing this or I'd love to be doing that. And then straight away the thought comes in and it's, I can't. I can't leave my job. And then the thought process becomes, I can't leave my job because I need the pay. Where else would I go? Another thing doesn't pay this sort of money, whatever it might be. So, how do you at least just start? How do we help people plant the seed to yep. live life the way they want and not worry yep. about the financial impact? Okay, that's a good question, mate. There's a couple of things. I think the first thing you talk about, people feel like the security in a job. Well, I think the least secure thing is a job. And, I mean, you could ask how many millions of people over the last 12 months how secure their job was compared to what they thought their job security was. Right now, if you have a job your future is not in your hands because at any moment you can lose that job and that's not your control. That's out of your control. So do you think people are quite naive to feel a sense of security? They feel in security their job? Because, because, you know, it's regular and there's a paycheck. However, it's not secure. We live in a time now where industries are disappearing. You know, employees are less needed because it's being automated. Therefore, you want to ask yourself a question, is my industry secure? Really? I find for me, when people, I've been in business myself for over 20 years, well over 20, 25 years now, and I think I'm far more secure in my own business. I'll tell you why. I'm in control. You know, mm. if, if I need more money, I just work harder. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. I know what to do to create more income. I've just got to work harder. I've got to make more phone calls and go out and meet more people and create more opportunities and create a new program and all this was, I'm in control of my financial situation. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so that excites me beyond belief because there are some people that say they love to know how much money they're going to make every month. Well, to me, that would depress me if I knew how much money I was going to make every month. I love the fact that I don't know. I love the fact that, you know, mm. I can make an extra five or 10 grand a month if, if a couple of tweaks here and a bit of focus there yeah. and a new program there and a new approach there, I can increase my income significantly. Mm. So that's the first thing is to break that that association with security and a job. 
okay, because a job that may be secure for you, it may be what if something happens and what if that industry is affected or what if you, what if you don't even know um, that your company is about to go into receivership or if yeah. you don't know, and as an employee, you don't know that stuff until it happens, until yeah. you get that, you work, you rock up to work one day and the doors are locked and there's chains on the door and it's, you know, or you, know, or you get told, mm. sorry, you've got two weeks to pack up your stuff and get out. And if you're not ready and prepared, if you're not diversified, and this is the next, moves into the next phase, one, and, and I know you endorse this, mate, one source of income ain't going to cut it these days, particularly if that source of income is relying on you. Mm. Because if you lose it, then, and I realised this, when I was in that cafe, I knew and I was in $100,000 debt and I was working extra hard as a PT because I had to pay off debt and live. And I, at that moment, I realized how bad I was financially. Like mm. I was on a razor's edge because I thought if something happens to me and I can't work, I am screwed financially because yeah. my income is dependent on me getting out of bed and working. Mm. And for people at a job or in a small business, that's exactly the case. It's an active income that's reliant on you. And I knew at that moment I've got to diversify. I need multiple sources of income and I need some some passive income sources as well. I need some in, in asset-based income. Um, you know, I was in a lot of debt, so I couldn't do it traditionally. I looked at other businesses. I, mm. So so and I and again today I'm fortunate. I've got four or five, six, seven sources of income. So even over COVID, when a couple of them faltered, didn't matter. Mm. And but it was easy to even the speaking stuff that I was doing face to face this time last year uh, now is online. And so, and now in 2021, it's a combination of face-to-face and online yeah. and it's opened up the world. You know, mm. again, that's when you're in a business for yourself, you get to create, you yeah. get to do what you want. And uh, so how do you transition? Well, if someone's working and they're listening and going, well, yeah, look, this is not my life I love. Mm. I'm not saying, certainly suggesting you give up your job. What I'm yep. suggesting you do is you take the hours a few hours a week outside of that job, if you're working eight to five, let's say, or eight to six, nine to five, whatever it might be, you've got the hours before work, you've got hours after work, and you've got weekends when you can start to write your book. You can start to start your podcast. You can start to look at other, the big, what's the trend thing, side hustle. You know, there's a lot of pretty cool businesses out there that don't take an enormous amount of time that can help you diversify your income. And over a period of time, this is what helped me transition out of a full-time PT career, 80 plus hours a week to retired within two years. You know, it was diversifying and looking at other things that I could create income from that would give me a far higher hourly rate, but also then also other things that would create an asset-based income. So, you're the person to talk to, mate. If people need to get this information, they just need to renew. It's vital to add there that, um, and what was coming up for me was a question if someone said to you, oh, there's no point. I think it's vital to add that the point is not about the result, and you've touched on it. The point is not about, for example, becoming an author. The point is not to become a um, podcast guru. The point is to actually do something you love doing and just get a start on it. Whatever comes of that, who knows? But at the very, very start of it, it's about doing something you love, which then starts to create that life that you, how you want to live it, as opposed to always, because we're all guilty of it. 
being in this constant and this endless loop of always trying to do enough, get enough, be enough through what we're doing. And it's usually more or less associated with work of course, or career. The rat race. I think Robert Kiss, there's a Robert Kiyosaki talks about the rat race. He says, it says no matter how much, you know, how successful you get in the rat race, you're still a rat. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you can be making. It's almost brutal, but it's true. It is. I mean, you can be working for 20 bucks an hour doing something, or you can be working for a thousand bucks an hour. You know, and and you can make a thousand bucks an hour as a I don't know as a lawyer or a speaker or mm. or something, but you still got to turn up. You know, yes. um, and the problem with a lot of high income earners is they end up with the car and the house and the mortgage, and then all of a sudden that income stops, and they're now in all sorts of trouble because they've got all this debt that they're trying to service with their massive income. Yeah. So they've either then got to try and salvage it, or they've just got to keep doing something they hate because that's the only way to fulfill or sustain that lifestyle that they've become accustomed to. And that's where there's so many people out there that just go to work to make the money, to have the car and the house, the education and the trip once a year. And they're just not, I see it. There's some miserable people out there and life is not meant to be endured. Life is meant to be lived. I and loved. 100% agree. I hardly agree. You've got to have clarity on what it is mm. that life looks like. And I think a lot of people never stop and go, well, how do I want to live? And create a vision board and get pictures and get emotionally attached to more time with family. What would you do with family if you had more time? If you had optimal well-being, how would you what would you do and where would you go? And if you could travel and you had time and mm. what impact do you want to have on the world? And when you start to ask the questions, guess what? You ask the questions, the answers start to appear. That's why I got this this crazy idea to write a book. Not because yeah. I needed or wanted to be an author, because that was the for me. That was the vehicle that was going to help me create the vision that I clearly saw and and absolutely want, desired with all my heart. Mm. And do you, do you feel still there's a um, a little bit of a push for uh, to do more books, more coaching, more support through the want or the desire to be validated, to be no, seen, to have recognition? Not to be validated anymore. No, yeah. I'm past that. I do it now to impact the world. Like I, I just want to leave a legacy. I want to have an impact on the world. You know, I'll I'll write books until I'm 100 plus. I will not stop. I write every single day, and that's not going to change ever. Um, you know, it, I, I want to inspire more people. I want to help more people. That's my. That's what drives me. I want to help people live the life of joyful longevity, which means a long life of absolute joy, doing things that they love, not enduring it. And yeah. stressed and sick and dying before their time, which unfortunately there's so many people, you know, and I'm guaranteeing most people don't get to their deathbed and go, gee, I wish I spent more time in the office. I wish I spent more time chasing my tailors. I wish I spent more time in traffic jams. I guarantee most people would say, I wish I spent more time. Uh, well, look, look, how, uh, look at the letter that Steve Jobs wrote when he was passing away. I mean, that to me says it all. The letter he wrote, which was more or less recapping what he wished he had have done. So stereotypically, the world would look at him as being a very, very successful person, which in a business sense, yes, he is. But in a personal sense, it didn't seem like he was so success, yep. successful or he wasn't at the very least feeling it. Yeah, depends so, how you measure success, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. And more and, and more unfortunately, we... the world measures success. Society measures success by status and money and objects and, and things that we have. And, and we've got to move away from that because this is what I've found. When you chase money, you'll never get it. When you focus on adding value and impacting lives and loving what you do, money will come. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue 
for uh, that concept of all that matters is how it looks to you. So when we're talking about success, again, stereotypically, success looks like the house, a career, climbing the corporate ladder, a nice big paycheck, whatever it might be along that material aspect side of things. But success is how it matters to you. And you've touched on something earlier, which I uh, sort of twigged with me a little bit around doing what you love. And I just wanted to point out to people that it's not, and, and purpose, well, we all have a purpose in being here. It's not all about being the great humanitarian. So our purpose can be just in helping others in a small way. And we've spoken about this off air once before, I think it might've been, or even last week on your podcast. I remember an accounting practice we worked with, I was chatting to an accountant there. And just to, in short, I said to them, do you realize how valuable it is what you do? And the lady looked at me a bit strange. She goes, oh, no, I'm just doing tax and stuff. I said, but what you're doing is that you're giving a lot of certainty and peace of mind to clients that come in and see you and you're sorting out their tax. I mean, they don't want the ATO after them. They know that when they see you, it's all sorted, it's all ticked off, and then they can walk away with a little bit of a sigh of relief. Not a huge thing, it's not like they're in trouble, but they know it's fixed and they know that they don't have that problem. So you've given them that certainty and you've given them that comfort. So when we talk about purpose and when we talk about success and it matters how it looks to you and defining your purpose and what success is, is not about that stereotypical view of success. It's about what your purpose is in the contribution and how you want to live your life. It's not about being the great humanitarian. So even that, if I want to be, a success in my purpose in life, people might, for example, look at a Bono and go, well, that's what I've got to do. I've got to literally try and save the world one malnourished child at a time. That's not what it's about. Even the smallest contribution to another human being is enough. I was just going to say, so what is it that you sort of, I guess, work through with people or uh, a couple of tips you can give to people to start reframing their thinking and stepping into that space and going, this is what matters to me. And yeah. focusing on that. Yeah, look, mate, we, we spend most of our life, like I did, spend most of my life worrying about what other people thought about. And let me tell you what other people think about them. They don't. Yeah, no. They don't. It's they're a bit egotistical, isn't it, to think other people are thinking about you all the time. Exactly. I'm worried about what, <laughs> what they think about this. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about themselves. And I think that the second we, we can just let go of the need to be validated or approved of and just you know, we're all here for a reason and our purpose is our purpose and it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. It really doesn't. So mm. if you've got people suggesting to you that you can't be an author, you can't be an artist, it doesn't matter what it means to them. It no. really it doesn't matter. It only matters what it means to you. Uh, look, mate, my favourite of the Rocky movies is Rocky Balboa, which is the sixth one. I don't know if you've... If, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure most people times. watch all of the Rocky <laughs> movies, but Rocky Balboa is when he's in his... You know he's he's old and he owns the, yeah. the restaurant and he's got a he's got an adult son and and uh, and he's and he's thinking about going back to to box you know this exhibition fight with the heavyweight champion of the world and everyone's saying you're an idiot mate what are you doing you're old you're gonna get embarrassed and hurt <laughs> and he's and he's voicing his doubts to little Marie do you remember little Marie um, yeah. his his friend at the time saying well I'm just worried and she just said to him you know if it's inside you to do it just do it. And she said, it doesn't matter what it looks like to other people. It only matters mm. like to you. And and I love that line. I'd send shivers down my spine mm. to, just thinking about it. And I just thought, yeah. Like, he, I mean, here's this guy who's an ex-footballer, no clues, no skills, 
no background. If I was to declare, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to be an author, I knew what they would say. <laughs> they didn't see it from my perspective. They couldn't see what I could see. Mm, you know, the yeah. same thing is this skinny, uncoordinated kid that wants to be a professional footballer. They couldn't see what I could see. And no mm. one can see what you can see. You know, so yeah. it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because they don't have your perspective. They don't have your desire. And, impo- and importantly, how it feels to you. And, and how it fe- and it's mm. your life, for goodness sake. You know, mm. it's your life. You get one shot at it. Yeah. You know, don't stuff it up. Don't get to the end regretting, going, I wish I'd done that. You want to get to the end of your life saying, I'm glad I did, even though you stuffed it up, then I wish I had. You know, mm. I'd much rather live with failure than not even trying. I'd much rather try things and stuff them up multiple times and mm. then go, okay, well, that's not going to work. Because if I yeah. did at least try, I would regret it. And, and I never want to live with regret. And my advice to people is don't ever live with regret. Just find, decide how it looks to you. You make a decision that's important. You will find people that will support you. There will always be people. Find those people. The people that don't, mm. give them the, <laughs> <I'm> the <laughs> shove off. Don't tell them to shove off. In your mind, tell them to shove off. And Just ignore it. Do yeah. it because I'll tell you what, you know, it's, there was an ad, Apple ad in the 90s. Here's to the crazy ones. I don't know if you remember. Here's to the crazy ones. And it said, mm, yeah. you stop saying, um, it finished off, the, the last line was, those people crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Yeah. And I love that. I love crazy. Not yeah, crazy, absolutely. You know, I mean, crazy, not normal. Don't be normal. <laughs> not don't the status quo. My people expect exactly status mm. quo. Don't, don't live the way society expects you to live. Don't do what society expects you to do. Do what's right for you and live your best life you can. Yeah, and step outside that comfort zone. And that's a, it's a little bit of a cliche, but again, it's not about taking a giant leap. It's yep. just about recognizing something you love and just start practicing it. doesn't have to be, for example, you don't have to make a rule and agreement with yourself. You know what? I'm going to write a book in two weeks. It's going to be bestseller. I'm going to be an author. No, it might be just a matter of putting pen to paper and writing about what's on your mind and who knows what then comes of that. But if it feels yep. good in that moment to do it, then that is the motivation enough just to kickstart it and be that catalyst. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be always so result-driven, and we are a result-driven society. So if we circle back, I guess, and, and encompass uh, you know, what has been spoken about, what we're looking at here is one, naively, even if naively, believing that you are good enough, but even removing naively and just believe that you are good enough, it doesn't have to be, I'll do this because I think I'm good enough by comparison too. So I could, for example, come off today and go, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And then straight away I'm going, "Uh, it's probably not going to be as good as Andrew's. Andrew's got a large bit of things to say. And then all of a sudden I've spoken myself out of it. Yep. So make the step. The key is get out of your head really fast. Yes. In your head is a very dangerous place. Get out of your head and into your heart. That's the secret. You get the idea, get the vision, then move it out of your head. Stop it. Don't analyze it. Don't say, as soon as you go, I want to do that, and you can visualize it, and you go, yeah, that would be awesome, then quickly move it into your heart and get into action. Do not stop and weigh up the pros and cons. No, follow do that not feeling. Analyze. Do not, don't, no. don't, do not look for reasons why it won't happen. 
The only re- reason you can you won't achieve something is because you won't stick at it consistently and make it happen. That's yeah, because you only- talk yourself out of it. Your mind's too going to you can't. There's do two it. outcomes in life, two possible outcomes. There's success, yeah, or there's quitting, and you're in yeah. control of both of those. So no matter what it is, as long I mean within reason, of course. I mean, I'm not going to win a. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to win a female gymnastics gold medal <laughs> in female gymnastics. But, Jesus, I'm not going to win that either. <laughs> but if 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 it's if it's physically possible, then you set your mind to do it, and you do what it takes. Get into the right habits, get into the right actions, and keep going, no matter what. You will yeah. make that happen. I, no I, matter I, how small, absolute too. confidence that you will make that happen. The only reason you wouldn't make it happen is if you, at some point you talk yourself out of it. Or you allow someone to, mm. to um, steal that dream. I like there's three things out of today. I think in, in chatting to you, Andrew, is one is uh, all that matters is how it looks to you. I really believe that's a, a, a crucial ingredient to going. You know what? That self doubt comes in and goes, oh, what if and not maybe and that person that all that matters is how it looks to you. Believe that you're good enough, no matter how big or small it is that you want to what it is you want to go after. Because I think you've even proven through your story that even if you just put one foot in front of the other, something will come of it. Now, Absolutely. you've gone down the road of I'll be good enough when I've played top grade football and effectively that just got turned on its head. It's like, no, that wasn't it at all. And we can get looking back on it now that without that path you took, you wouldn't be where you are now. So there's a lot of learnings that come out of that. But importantly, it's how it looks to you. Believe that you are good enough. Put one step in front of the other and just practice it. Put it into practice, whatever it is each day, and who knows what come of it. Don't focus on the result. Don't focus on what you think other people will think about it and therefore adopt that philosophy of why not? Why not give it a go? <laughs> no, it's prove you can't. Find so evidence that, can't do it. If you can't find evidence, then you can. And then yeah. what you've said about one step at a time is I've got a phrase I just call win the day. You know, you will not you'll not achieve anything unless you win every single day. And that just means get up and go for a run. That means ride a little bit. It means brush yeah. your teeth. Whatever, whatever that small action is, because it's the small actions that compound over time that will lead to incredible results. You know, you know about compound mate compound yeah. <laughs> um you know if you yeah. want to create wealth and you're young enough start putting money into an account an interest-bearing account every single day just yeah. create, start creating that simple 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 habit and focus on the day and win the day when you do it celebrate because you'll never get to the success that you're after if you don't focus on one day at a time so yeah absolutely agree well mate tell me what's your oh, there's a couple of things one What's, where do you find your inspiration or where has it come from for you? The world around. Yeah. I mean, there's inspiration everywhere. There's people are doing incredible things. You know, I was inspired by my mum. I was inspired by, by people everywhere, every day. I learn things every day. I see things every day. I stuff up and go, okay, well, that was dumb. What can I learn from that? I mean, yeah. there's inspiration everywhere. You just got to open your eyes and you'll see it. Cool. Closing message for listeners? Don't wait. Don't wait. Get, don't waste another no. second of this precious gift of life you've been given. I like that. And lastly, how would any of our listeners get hold of you? Where do they find your content? Uh, just my website, which is andrewjobling.com.au. That's J-O-B-L-I-N-G.com.au. Andrewjobling, all, right. all one word, .com.au. Cool, right. And obviously you're on all the, almost the social media platforms. 
and all your content on that website. That's your podcast. It's obviously got all your blogs and and books blogs, and all that stuff. Books, yeah, speaking stuff. Also doing there. Awesome. So Andrew, thank you so much for being on It's More Than Money podcast. We'll steer him towards your website. You get all your great content. There is definitely some really really good content. You'll find Andrew's episode on all major platforms like Spotify and iTunes through the It's More Than Money podcast. Andrew, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate your time and I loved it, mate. So thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to It's More Than Money. This podcast has been recorded and produced at Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Before we go, don't forget to click on the subscribe button for this podcast and wherever you listen to it, give it a rating as well. If you'd like to find out more, you can always go to our website, parentfg.com, or you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Please leave a suggestion for a future topic if you wish. Either way, we'd love to hear from you, so let us know your thoughts. We'll have another episode soon. Thanks for listening to It's More Than Money. Take care. We'll catch you next time.